What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. I'm Krish Kumar, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join me for season three. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. Today, I'm joined by special guest, David Roselle, the founder and CEO of Doorlist. Welcome, David. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Good to be here. Absolutely. You know, David, let's just start with your background, kind of talk about your experience at Virginia and how that led to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. My dad went to UVA, so I was always a UVA fan. Um, And so when it came time to apply to colleges in high school, um, really looked at UVA as one of my top choices. And it was a dream come true to go there um, and also play lacrosse there. And so I grew up playing lacrosse, um, was able to walk onto the team once I got there, um, which was a really, really big part of my experience. Um, we had a couple great seasons in there. COVID cut our first year short and then had three awesome years with kind of a full season. Um, and just recently graduated from UVA and kind of tackling doorless full time, which has been really, really rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Now you won, just for the audience, you won in 2021 an NCAA championship. Just talk about the thrill of that and what all went into that experience. Yeah, it was so surreal. I mean, thinking back to that year in the fall, we were practicing with masks on under our helmets and it was really unclear what this season would look like. And, you know, the Ivy League had already canceled. And so we weren't sure if we were going to have, you know, four inter-squad scrimmages and that would be the season or if it would look kind of normal or only playing teams in state. And we ended up having a full, you know, 16, 17 game season. And, you know, we were kind of in the hunt the whole year, one of the top teams, um, and sort of in that position you want to be where you have as good a chance as anybody, um, but had a couple of regular season losses. And so we went into the playoffs as I think the three seed. Um, and then, you know, they joke in lacrosse, 16 teams make the playoffs. So you just need to win four games. And we were fortunate enough to win those four games and uh, up in Hartford, bring home that trophy, which was just so unbelievable. I mean, you grow up playing and every Memorial Day, you sort of mark your calendars. That's when the national championship happens. And so to be part of it and, to you know, come home winning it is just unbelievable. Yeah. First of all, I mean, congratulations. Second of all, I think that's truly unbelievable. Sounds like a great experience and um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, without further ado, I'd love to kind of dive into door lists and all things, uh, you know, with your company. Let's just start off with what that is. If you want to describe to the audience kind of what the goal is, you know, we've obviously talked off the podcast and, you know, if, if you had classify it in like three words, it'd probably be what, like event management platform. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. It's an event management platform specifically right now, mainly a mobile app. Um, and we target the types of events that might otherwise use paper wristbands or a Google sheet or a guest list, or even, Hey, look, I've been mode at the door, you know, anything like that. And kind of the thesis is the reason that those events are using solutions like paper wristbands or a Google sheet is because there isn't software out there, or there wasn't before doorless that really targeted their exact needs. It needs to be super lightweight. It needs to make it easy both for the guests and the hosts. And you don't need seat numbers or sending out links. Often you just need to be able to invite a few organizations, maybe give everyone in the organization a plus one and other things like that that just make it really streamlined on both the guests and host side. Right now we mainly target university events, but we're starting to grow beyond that into a category that we've coined as low stakes events. So that's generally anything with fewer than 5,000 people, kind of one or few price tiers, um, you know, one or two points of entry, but not some massive operation, you know, kind of in that middle niche. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great to hear. And you obviously gained some traction. I mean, you know, looking at the numbers, you've replaced 300,000 wristbands. You're across 40 plus universities. Talk about what went into that process of growing Doorless from an idea and a, and a vision to an actual company and, and to get to where you are now. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think since being in this industry, I've found out that there's actually a lot of competitors because this might be like the go-to idea in college. You know, you go to a party, you think, wow, that was really, that was a hassle picking up that wristband or or saying my name on a Google sheet. And so I'm going to make an app for it. And so it's actually like a pretty saturated space. And, you know, we've been fortunate to kind of win that space and, and sort of beat out some of those often without realizing that they exist. And I think that, you know, when it first started, it was very, very simple. And our thesis was we had to be better than wristbands in every single way, or at least no worse. And so what that looks like in, you know, practically is, for example, if your phone dies, you need to still be able to get in. And so there's a full list button where you can pull up the full list and then you can search your name and check in that way. So at its worst, it's still the exact same as the old way. It's never worse than the old way because if there was one way that wristbands were more convenient or a Google shoe was more convenient, organizations just wouldn't use it. And so we built it around this dynamic QR code that represents you and your identity and tried to make it as simple as possible. And so when you show up to an event, you don't have to download a ticket. You don't have to deal with an internet connection or anything. You have this dynamic QR code that's stale after one second, so it can't be screenshot or replicated. You get scanned at the door. It's a green check or a red X and you can walk in. Since then, we've evolved. Now we do, you know, paid tickets and really rich analytics um, and a bunch of features that I never would have imagined. But at the beginning, it really just needed to be a digital equivalent of a wristband to avoid the distribution hassle, the litter afterwards, fake wristbands, et cetera. Yeah, certainly, a, you know, a fascinating evolution. I'd love to hear what your personal connection, everyone, you know, has some sort of relationship with the company they build or something they start. So talk about what went into building it for you specifically and what your connection was to Doorlist. Yeah, so a bunch of my friends had, you know, leadership positions in different organizations. And so their job would be planning these events. And I would just hear them complain all the time about you go spend a hundred bucks, you know, on a thousand wristbands because you didn't buy them in advance. You know, you bought them at the party store where they're way more expensive than they should be. And then you had to drop off a hundred at 10 different houses. And invariably one of the houses would need five more. And then at the door, there would somehow be 2,000 people in line all with the same wristband because there had been a group chat that said it was a red wristband. And so people went and photocopied them. And then the next morning, they'd be littered all over the ground. And it was like, okay, we're spending money to then have this massive hassle distributing them. And it doesn't even work that well at the door. And then they just get thrown on the ground. And so like nothing about this is a good solution. And so there's got to be you know, some piece of software, some mobile app that we can use. And I looked around and there really wasn't one, you know, a, a fraternity, which a lot of our events are in the Greek life space. Fraternity is not going to use Eventbrite just because the Eventbrite features aren't really what they need. They want to invite entire organizations. They want to be allow their members to invite a date. And so realizing that there wasn't a solution, you know, I majored in computer science at UVA. So just set out kind of trying to build one um, and didn't know what it would end up becoming. Didn't know if anyone would ever even use it. More is just a challenge. You know, can I build this to make my friend's life a little bit easier? Yeah, absolutely. You know, mentioned uh, wristbands, Google Sheets. I mean, all those things are, I think the biggest word that I have for them is a hassle, right? They're inconvenient and and nobody likes to use them, right? Um, but it's just the way things have been going. And so I think this is a revolutionary and, and, and a pretty good solution, uh, David. So I'd love for you to talk about what the process is for admins or organizations and how that structure looks like for them. 
Yeah. So for example, at UVA, which is our biggest school by a mile, makes sense. I went there. We launched there first. The way it works on a typical, you know, Wednesday, Thursday morning, often day of, it doesn't need to be super far in advance. An admin creates an event. Then they're prompted, do you want to invite any other organizations, including your own organization? So you could invite maybe, you know, your organization and two others. Then you have the option to give everyone extra invites if you want. That could be a blanket thing or by individuals. And so it delegates the list making process. So you could just invite 50 people and they each get a plus one. And so they kind of make the last 50 of that list. Um, And you get an eight digit code within the event admin page. You give that to the bouncer, hired security or whoever's running the door. They enter that eight-digit code in their app. The app has an integrated integrated scanner, and then you can scan guests in. And so really the entire process is you create an event, invite a few people, and then you can scan them in. There's no, you know, it's totally free for free events. We take a small fee on paid events, but we've tried to make it as fast as possible. We've had events made 30 minutes before it started. And that's totally fine because the whole point is users don't have to download a ticket or click a link. They're automatically added to the list by their phone number. And so their QR code will be able to scan in. Yeah. And I'd love for you to talk about how this builds social circle and connections and how it can help people, you know, at different parts of campuses or different places kind of connect. Yeah, it's been one of the most exciting things about the growth is as we reach sort of a really high level of saturation at a given school, like we have at UVA, for example, it becomes kind of woven into the social fabric of how events happen at that school. And you start to see events popping up on the app that aren't even scanning people in because it's not about the scanning process anymore. It's about seeing what's going on. And so there have been people's birthday parties on the app or, you know, a get together right after a certain event, because I think a common user behavior is on Thursday, you check the app to see what the weekend looks like. And so I think from a discovery perspective, it's been really cool. It's also been great because we provide a lot of analytics and data to our organizations. And so we've actually found that list sizes have gotten bigger since uh, integrating door lists because you realize, okay, you know, I used to do 800 wristbands and I wouldn't really know how many people came. Now I see that 500 people came, we actually have room for six or 700. So I'm going to invite a few extra people or allow a few extra people to join the list. And so that's been an exciting part of it. You know, I think there's this perception, oh, we're using an app. It's going to make it more exclusive. We've actually seen the opposite, you know, because it's objective and it's just, you know, you can see exactly how many people come. And so from a discovery perspective, it's great from, you know, not excluding as many people. It's great. And again, it's really exciting as we grow at more and more schools, seeing it just become really core to the way that, you know, weekends go. I'm super glad you mentioned that misconception because I think maybe people do have that worry of, you know, being left out or or not being invited to something. But I think that Doorlist has a has a unique solution and obviously avoids this problem. Talk about when I'm on the other side of Doorlist and I'm trying to find events, how that would look like for me. And maybe, you know, if I'm trying to figure out my weekend like you talked about on a Thursday night, what I would go through and what the steps would be and how that would work. Yeah. So there's two kind of distinct types of events. An admin can create a private event that would only appear to you if you're invited. Um, and then they can also list an event publicly and it can be visible to anyone in a geographic area. And so that's awesome because it means that people who might not know what's going on that night can quickly check, all right, are there any public events at my campus? You know, maybe something at a bar or maybe a, a get together that's open or you buy a ticket and anyone can come. And so the visibility is really increased. 
I also think there's something to be said, you know, a lot of organizations when they used to use a Google sheet, for example, in addition to it taking forever at the door, you actually didn't know if you were on the list or not until you got to the front and you would say your name. And if you weren't on the list, maybe it's embarrassing and it, you know you just wasted everyone's time. Now you see exactly which events you'll be able to scan into, which means a decreased waiting time for everybody else. Um, but also that, you know, you're not sort of in that awkward situation. And so most of our users don't even navigate beyond the first page of the app, which is your dynamic QR code, because that's all they need out of it. But on that second tab, you can see your upcoming events and you can see what's going on at campus and which events that you're allowed to go to that night. And so I think that objectivity of, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen when it scans has made the entry process a lot more streamlined at our schools. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned dynamic QR code a couple of times. You know, I'd love for you to just explain what all goes into that um, and to really touch on why that's not repro reproducible, like, you know, wristbands and, and other alternative methods. Yeah, so it, it's funny because it's the front page of the app and, and it's sort of cool. People think, okay, this is this really neat technology and he built this app around it. And that's actually like kind of backwards. You know, we needed a solution to manage entry that worked super well and was really easy. And it was a necessity that you couldn't just screenshot it because otherwise it would undermine the entire app. I didn't invent dynamic QR codes. You know, you can see, I think Ticketmaster does them in there. Eventbrite has an option too. And so I'm certainly not the first to do it. We do it in a unique way that I'm a huge fan of in that you don't need an internet connection. And so it's not pinging up to a server every time it's regenerating. So your phone can be on airplane mode and you can scan into an event because you have this one uh, QR code. In terms of it being dynamic and what that means, it means when you screenshot it, You'll have a screenshot of a QR code, but it's now what we call stale. And so it has the time embedded into it and it has a pass time embedded. And when the scanner scans a user, it checks, are you on the list? And is this a live QR code? And if it's not, then it will say, hey, heads up, this is a screenshot. This person's on the list, but this was screenshotted. And so it, the purpose of the app wasn't to find some way to use dynamic QR codes. It was, okay, we have this awesome idea and people are just going to screenshot it unless we find a solution. So we built a solution that, you know, prevents fraudulent entry, can make sure that event hosts are sure that only the people they invited are in their actual space. As a final security feature, you can only scan in once with a given QR code. And so, you know, even if you found some way to reproduce it, you know, you still wouldn't have to worry about the capacity. Yeah. You know, David, it's been really interesting and, and obviously great to, to learn about the growth of your list. I'd love to talk about how you got from point A to B and what factors kind of led into that, right? So you maybe talk about the accelerator that you've worked with, talk about the team and just the components that went and, and, and worked together to, to make this I think. Yeah, there were so many different phases. I mean, thinking back to the beginning, the, when I look at the original app, it really was just a platform for RSPing to free events. And, you know, phase two was, all right, how can we add some features on top of that, like giving plus ones to people and, and you know, making it more useful. Um, and so that was pretty soon after we launched in February 2022. We sort of expanded beyond just RSVPing and more for scanning. And, and it grew organically, honestly, to most of our schools, which was really, really cool to see. I think that we saw massive growth at UVA. And one of the things that came with that is people would visit from other schools and then they would use it to get into an event and think, wow, this could be awesome at, you know, Wisconsin. And so, and they would bring it back. And, you know, that wasn't because we were spending money on marketing or doing anything special. It was just because we had a product that I think really worked and, uh, and people really appreciated the use case and, and, you know, the problem that we were solving. 
And so it continued to grow. I think in the last summer, I worked on it on the side, kind of after my internship, not really sure what the fall would look like. We saw massive growth in the fall. At UVA, a school that we thought we had full penetration, we ended up almost doubling our user base because it started to be used, like I said, beyond just Greek life and for smaller events and expanded to more and more schools. And then we started to hear that at some other schools, there were payments happening off network. And so people would Venmo or pay cash to get added to Doorless. And so it was sort of a light bulb, like, okay, why aren't we facilitating payments through the app? At UVA, most of these events are free. At other schools, that's not always the case. So uh, this past spring, we introduced uh, paid tickets. We also introduced photo sharing just to make the app a little more engaging. So you can share a photo once you've scanned in and it's only visible to other people who've scanned in. And so we were in a great spot. I was excited to work on it full time after I graduated and really start, you know, spending some money on marketing and, and, you know, kind of adding fuel to the fire and not just relying on that organic growth. Um, and then we applied to this program called Neo. And so Neo is a venture capital firm based in San Francisco. They're, I think, seven or eight years old, um, but they have an accelerator that's in its second year. And it's this unbelievable program. It's four months long, a month of which is in Oregon, in person with the other 20 startups. And so I'm actually in Oregon right now. Um, I've been here for the past three weeks, and it's just been such a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, the mentors they have are fantastic, but also just being surrounded by 20 other startups who are going through all the same things you are, trying to scale as fast as possible, um, and to have Neo's support on the financial side has been great, too. And so really lucky to be part of this program. I leave in a week, and then it continues until Demo Day in October in San Diego. Yeah, it certainly sounds like, you know, Neo has been pivotal, obviously, in your growth. And you mentioned being around like-minded people, which is huge, right? Being around people who have similar goals, aspirations, passions, visions. I'd love for you to just touch on what it takes to be an entrepreneur, right? It's not always an easy and simple road like people think. There's always, you know, ups and downs, bumps along the way. Talk about how you handle those hiccups, maybe, and what it's just like being an entrepreneur every day. Yeah, I think the two biggest things that come to mind is, and and one of them is sort of funny, is it means the end of ever being bored because there's always more to do. And so I'm never sitting around being like, I'm so bored because if I ever feel that way, it's like, well, there's 10 things on my to-do list that I could be doing. And so that's something that I actually really appreciate. You know, it feels like there's not much idle time and you can carve out time to do things outside of your company for sure, but there's never this idle time where you're doing nothing. Um... The other thing is just the accountability. I think, you know, when you're working at a company, it's kind of, you know, it's 5 p.m. I've done my work for today and I'll show up at work tomorrow. I have a little bit more work left, then I'll be done. I think there's this feeling of you're never really done. There's always more to do. And when you're running a company, you know, everything sort of falls on you and there's no excuses, um, which I like, you know, coming from an athletic background and playing sports, you know, it's something that was drilled into me pretty early, especially, you know, I played goalie in lacrosse. And so you're sort of that last line of defense. But once they shoot the ball, like you either save it or you don't. It's very binary. And, and yeah, maybe they were too close to the goal because the defense did something wrong. But generally, like it's your fault. You let it in. Um, and maybe it should have gone in, but you could have saved it and you didn't. And so it's the same thing with entrepreneurship where, you know, if the company, if we have a bad fall and we don't hit our growth targets or, you know, we, we struggle to raise money down the road, you know, I can't look around and point fingers. Um, you know, it's decisions I made and that's really exciting because it also works in the other way. You know, when we have these huge successes, you can feel like you really own them. And, you know, the last thing is in terms of just time scheduling and and for anyone thinking about, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's this funny dynamic where, where you know, looking at my friends, even who do investment banking or, or other jobs, they're really high hours. You know, I work more hours than them, but they're my hours. 
and there's a key difference there. And so, you know, if my parents are in town for a night, I can definitely go grab dinner with them uh, for that night, 100%, because I control my calendar. And I might then be up until three in the morning, but the point is you have completely Economy. And so that's been something that's been really cool. Um, and it's just a different path than I ever really expected to take. You know, I didn't start Doorless thinking I'm going to, you know, make this tech startup. It was just to solve this really simple issue. And then we've been fortunate to grow a bunch to the point where, you know, it can be considered a startup that, you know, might raise money and do other things sort of in the venture world. David, that was uh, some great wisdom right there. Honestly, those two points were, were, were great, super inspirational. And I think the audience is in for a treat. I'd love to talk about the future of Doorless and how you see um, Doorless panning out. You know, what all is going to take from getting from now point B to point C and growing to that next level and and moving up those steps and building up and and what maybe um, are going to be some challenges that you plan to overcome. Absolutely. So in the very short term, our goal, we're just trying to win the university event space. There's the app isn't called, you know, uni events or anything that really boxes it in. And so we've been used at non-university events, tons of them. But our growth strategy is if we can win the university event space, we will organically bleed beyond that. And it's a really winnable space um, because people are using terrible solutions right now. You know, they're sending around Google spreadsheets and everything I've mentioned. And so this fall, we want to be at as many universities as possible, facilitating as many events. You know, we've replaced, like you mentioned, 300,000 wristbands. We're trying to hit a million this fall. Um, and I think there's a very there's a path to do that based off the campus reps we have and sort of this network we've built around the brand. And so this fall and really honestly, this spring will be about can we become the name in university events? You know, the same way when you get to college, you buy a pillow and, and you know, some shower shoes. You also download Doorless because that's how events work. Um, and so focusing on that growth, I think helps us stay really grounded with where we are. And we're not trying to do every different type of event because the non-university event space is really fragmented. And so, you know, every bar has a different owner and, and every nightclub has a different management corporation that has a contract with, whereas the university space is very networked. People have friends at other schools. And so taking advantage of those network effects to grow, I think is a really key priority. Um, in terms of, you know, roadblocks, every school's just a little bit different. And so, you know, at some schools, events work this way. At other schools, they go to bars. You know, some schools have different rules about ages and what which parties you can go to. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons we built out a network of 25 paid campus reps, because they really understand how their school works um, and how these events go and, you know, are friends with the key stakeholders. And so I think just adjusting and, and we've already added features this summer. You know, we've talked to a school that's a big priority. They say, well, heads up, our events work this one weird way where we need this. And we'll build that because we're at a stage of growth where we can really custom tailor it to the exact needs of some of these key power users. And then after this school year, I think we'll be able to look back and say, you know, hopefully we've kind of won the university event space or, or on the way there. And now how can we grow to more events? I don't think that this is ever something that would be used, uh, you know, at a Golden State Warriors game, because that's not really the use case. Um, but everything in between, you know, starting to target the even more casual events and making it clear the product's not just about scanning people in. Use it for your birthday party. Use it for a get together. This is how people will see what's going on. And then slightly bigger events. You know, you think about concerts or, you know, small music festivals. We're already starting to expand into that this fall and continuing to just, you know, at that point, we'll start devoting resources to growing beyond university events. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And that's some great points, David. Now, I'd love for you to touch on just real quick 
the speed of, of Doorless. I mean, I think you mentioned this earlier too, but obviously for the audience, it's a lot faster with Doorless than it is, you know, checking your name on, on a sheet or anything. So how fast, I mean, I think there's a number on this, but how fast do you guys scan people in? Yeah, we're, we're getting faster. Um, And so, you know, we, we are actually... Uh, we have an update coming out in two weeks that I think is going to make it even faster. Yeah. The scan takes less than a second. Um, and so it, I mean, it feels instant, like you hold your QR code. It doesn't need to be perfectly matched in the square. It just needs to be somewhere on the scanners field of view as far away as you want. You know, the cameras have gotten so good that we can, you know, we're taking advantage of the technology of the camera. They can pick up a QR code anywhere. Um, and then it's a green check, you know, it beeps and you, and you walk in, we're getting to the point where it's almost as fast as wristbands. You know, wristbands are the ultimate speed because you just hold it up and they can sort of eyeball it. They have a ton of other issues, but you know, they also allow for multiple scanners. And so often at our bigger events, we'll have three people scanning simultaneously. And so then because of that, like the speed is really unlimited. Um, I mean, I've seen anecdotally at UVA, there'll be two, 300 people lined up outside. And like, you know, you go to say hi to someone and you turn around and they're all already inside, you know, and it's like, it's amazing how fast it is. And I think that's definitely something that people are concerned about. You know, is this going to cause a log jam at the door? It really causes the opposite um, because there aren't people in line trying to sneak in who shouldn't be. So that, you know, you know takes out a third of it, you know, given on the, uh, depending on the event. And you know, the speed is something that, like I said, we're, we're continuing to improve upon and is definitely a priority because the last thing we want to do is make any part of the event experience more cumbersome or more difficult. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to see the, you know, the future updates, the, the new features you guys come out with to see the growth of Doorless. You know, we, you and I have obviously had a lot of conversations about it and to see it grow from, like you said, point A to B has been a thrill. And I'm, I can't wait to see it go from B to C now and uh, to see what, what goes next and what all you put into it. And I just want to compliment you. You know, you're really well-spoken and you're very passionate about Doorless. And I really appreciate that. So thanks again for coming on the podcast, David. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chris. Always great to catch up and I uh, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap. See you next time on Kicking It with Krish. Stay tuned.